know, if you're going to tell your clients that they have a duty and an obligation to provide solid cybersecurity, which they do, then Jennifer, you have a duty and an obligation to help the channel figure out how to sell this. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. The secret sauce can make all the difference in a blue ribbon competition. A secret play can be the deciding factor in winning a Super Bowl. My twin and I are going to discuss a secret formula for closing more cybersecurity deals if you are in the technology space. We were fortunate to have Jennifer Bleem back on our program. When she last visited with us, we spoke about every organization's favorite topic, not profit, IT security. Jennifer is the founder and CEO of MSP Sales Revolution, where she helps MSPs grow and scale their business by adding cybersecurity and best practices to their current tech stack. They call it a cybersecurity Sherpa. She has created cybersecurity sales and marketing programs and multi-million dollar divisions for profitable companies. She's a speaker and an author, which we're going to talk about a new book, and a member of the CompTIA Emerging Tech Council. Jennifer, welcome back to Twins Talk It Up. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting with both of you, and this is going to be a ton of fun today. This is Danny. And so from time to time, as David and I are speaking, we will chime in to say, this is Danny or this is David. Uh, Jennifer, you're back to talk about your new book entitled Simplified Cybersecurity Sales for MSPs, the secret formula for closing cybersecurity deals without feeling slimy. Jennifer, why now? What led you to write the book and why cybersecurity sales as opposed to just sales in general in the MSP space? Okay, so two super good questions. So, so the reality is, this book came about because my own words came back to haunt me. Um, and so as, as parents, I think we love it when our kids like parrot our own words back to us and it, it zings us where we need to be zinged. And so I have been saying for a couple of years to my clients, you have a duty and an obligation to secure your clients. And you have an obligation to yourself to sell cybersecurity well and sell it profitably, uh, but it's tremendously valuable. And so I was using that term duty. You have a duty and an obligation. And then I was on a coaching call and I don't even, I have a lot of coaches and mentors and they, they basically said, what do you have an obligation to do that 
only you can fulfill in the universe. And I went, oh man. Um, and then I was talking to somebody else who said, you know, you really should write a book. Like you understand this cybersecurity sales thing better than anyone else. And, and it was just like the stars had aligned and I aggregated all of that data and went, okay, you know, if you're going to tell your clients that they have a duty and an obligation to provide solid cybersecurity, which they do, then Jennifer, you have a duty and an obligation to help the channel figure out how to sell this. And so that that was the the idea for a book that was the seed uh, that then became a book. And, and why why cybersecurity sales is because obviously that's what's needed right now. Cybersecurity is a huge need, but there's not a lot of muscle memory around cybersecurity sales. It feels it's it is new and the the it's it's requiring people to step outside their comfort zone when you step outside your comfort zone things feel hard they feel difficult you feel uncomfortable emotionally and and i want to help smooth that out and make it as easy and as achievable as possible for even the the techiest tech that's listening today this is david jennifer and i love that you said that you had to do what everybody else was saying, Jennifer, you should be doing this. Yes. And internally, you knew you had to write this book. Yep. You knew you had to get it out there. And I'll tell you what we really started, Dan and I, on this journey of writing our books is that we've been talking about it for years and years. And Dan was like, Dave, you've spoken at so many conferences, so many events. You've preached at so many sermons. You've done so many weddings in terms of officiating the weddings. When are we going to put this out there? And I thought, oh, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. And then we hired a PR firm. And then we started paying an editor. And I was paying every single month. And then I thought to myself, after doing it for almost a year, I said, gosh, how much money am I losing? Because I put myself out there, paid the money to make myself write it. And Dan said, we just need to get it done. And, and I love that you said it's time to get it done. That's awesome. I, I want to ask this, Jennifer, as we get into your book here, when you think about cybersecurity sales and we talk about the conflicts going on around the world, and we're not just talking about military power, we're now talking about the war through cybersecurity. And they're hacking banks, they're hacking organizations, how much they've cost organizations. Now we're talking about cryptocurrency, but it's so uncomfortable to go ahead and go back to my clients now. I've been with them for so many years. They trust me to handle the network. Now I've got to upsell cybersecurity. It was the adage when I first bought my home. You don't need a security system. You got a dog. Right. Well, you don't know you need it until you really need it. Yes. And I'm glad you put this book out there because it's another resource for MSPs, for organizations say, hey, we really do need to talk about this. We really do need to know how to best position this offering for our clients, because if we really care about their safety, about the growth of their organization, we've got to have that conversation. And that's what this book does, Jennifer. It's interesting that you say that. Like, I, I've got a, a little bit of a mi mixed feelings on the the concept that small business owners think they're immune. And and let me let me kind of give a a personal illustration. Um, people that follow me on Facebook know that my son was in a pretty serious car accident. Thankfully, he walked away. He was fine, but. It was it was bad. Like like had it had the vehicle struck him on the driver's side, he would not have walked away. He would have gone to the hospital. I would pray that he would be okay. Here's the reality, though. I've got three teenage boys. Well, he's 21, so 21, 19, and 16. So he would kill me if I if he heard me say he was a teenager because he's an adult now, and he is. But here's the reality. Like as a parent, 
of boys. <laughs> like I, I knew that it was very, very, very likely that one of my children would be in a car accident. So, so I have car insurance, right? So, so in, but I don't wake up every morning dreading and worrying about the fact that my kids could be in a car accident today. It's the reality that it could happen, but it isn't until I got the phone call from my husband saying, Stephen is fine, but he was in an accident. I'm going up. I'll take care of it. I'll keep you in the loop that it became real. So I don't think that it's necessarily that the small business owners don't realize that it could happen to them. I think they know, just like we all know that our kids could get injured or we could be in an accident or whatever, fill in whatever blank. We can get cancer. Our parents could die. Like all of those things could happen. But until it happens to you, there's no connection to it emotionally. Um, and so, so therefore, because we don't connect to it emotionally, we don't do anything about it. We, we feel like we're impervious to it. Well, I love that. This is Danny, how you made it personable and talk about unless it happens to you. And that's really the key, right? We hear news yeah. stories of companies, small businesses more now during the pandemic than ever that are being hacked. But then you tell yourself, well, unless it happens to me or somebody I personally know, I don't, you know, it's not a really a bigger deal. So I appreciate you personalizing it. And I think that goes back to really when we have conversations with our clients, are we personalizing the conversation? Are we making it real so that they can understand it? One of the things that you have in your sales process that you speak with, with MSPs is that this perspective, what is your perspective about this discovery phase in your sales process? Because I think we assume things, but we don't really discover. We don't really ask questions. We don't really give the open-ended phrase so let customers talk more. So explain to our audience a little bit more about that discovery portion of, the, of your sales process. I think part of it is what you just said. For the, the typical service provider, they are not going to discover much new. I mean, if I, if I said, are you going to go in and find a machine unpatched? Yep, you probably will. Are you going to find out that, that a machine, likely the server, doesn't have antivirus running or it's been disabled? Yep, probably. Um, are you going to find out that there's machines that the CEO or the, the uh, office manager didn't know existed and they're connecting to the working network? Yeah, you probably will discover that. Like, you're not there to discover things for yourself. You are there to help the prospect discover what you already know. So you already know that they need more security. You already know that they are being woefully underserved by the incumbent. You're not going to discover much of anything that is new, although I do hope that you discover what it means to them, what the business implications are to I have to reboot my machine multiple times a day or, oh, wow, the server doesn't have EDR on it. What would those, what would the implications be? Like help, help the prospect discover that. But discovery is not, it's not for you. The sales trainer say you need to uncover the pain and you need to, someone's going to make a buying decision. But too often we're almost, we, we fall into, we fall into the trap of, of saying, let me discover two or three or four pieces of pain. And now I can pounce on the prospect. Now I'm ready to make the sale. And so that's, that's a danger because 
that, that's very self-serving. Uh, and one of my sales mantras is that you always do what's in the best interest of the prospect. And you will not always be the best solution for the prospect. And so that's really what discovery is. Um, the other piece of discovery is, is that often walking into a sales call, the the prospect is aware of this tiny little problem. And if you dig into this tiny little problem, you know, let's say your, your incumbent provider isn't responsive. Well, if you're selling just based on that tiny little problem and you know, we're very responsive and let me show you the statistics to, pro to prove it. And we're, you know, according to our X number of five-star reviews, we're the most responsive company in, in, in our area. And let's assume that that's true, but you're just selling based on this little speed bump of a problem when in reality, there's this massive problem that you just didn't discover and you didn't help the prospect discover. And so discovery is not about you. Discovery is about the prospect. I love that. This is Danny. And so many times, as you said it before, when it comes to sales, it's so easy to, to uncover things and then pounce on it. But really, I like to look at discovery as really understanding your client and becoming what I call a value-added consultant to them. Yes. And that's the value that you bring. When you discover new things about the client, why they're having issues, why they're frustrated, how did this really impact the bottom line, and you're really trying to understand them, they're going to appreciate you a lot more. They're going to appreciate you more than, as Jennifer stated before, providing those, hey, we can show statistics and data is why we're the, we're the fastest response team that's out there. Well, that's great, but you really haven't understood who I am and why this is impacting my business. You haven't really understood why I've had to reboot my system 10 times in a row. You haven't really understood anything. You just think because I present a study or fact to you, that's going to get me to say yes to you. No, it's who do you, who do you think you are? You, you, you don't even know me. And I think I love that. It's like dating. It, you're, yes. you're getting there. Hey, what am I? Who am I? Who are you? You're trying to discover things about them to find the, the, the what I call the angles to get to know each other. So I really appreciate you bringing that up because a lot of times we get weird. IT people get weird and we don't know how to communicate. Let's just be honest. We're geeky. We, we know technology, but we don't know how to communicate. There was a time when where we were developing between my identical twin brother and I, and he was more developed in the social realm than I am. And people would just look at the two of us and say, okay, that's Dave and that's Danny. Like, How do you know? I, I can spend two minutes and see Dave as a social butterfly. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSP Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. 
Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I never want to change the person. I never want to, you know, make you sell the way Jennifer sells. You know, I want you to be your authentic you and still make the sale. And so like if I, if we were, if I was coaching you, I would probably say to you, you know, this might come off a little bit weird, but I need to ask whatever it is, like, like embrace that, right? Like I'm, I'm pretty direct and and in your face, but you may not sell that way. And, and you probably need a sales process that doesn't require you to be super direct and in your face. And you're probably a little bit more, um, a little bit more relaxed. Whereas I kind of feel like David might be a little more direct we're all going to sell differently. And I don't want to turn people into little clones of Jennifer. I want you to help, help you understand my sales process. And then I know sales well enough that let's, let's change it to match who you are. So I'm not going to change you. I don't want to change you. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that because at the end of the day, we all have our strength and weaknesses, but yet yeah. what's most important is authenticity. It's about, I totally agree. can I trust you? Yes. And I would rather I buy the person before I buy the product. And that's why I think that having that angle of educating, teaching, encouraging a person to be who they are is so crucial. For me, I love when a person is geeky. I love it. You don't have to sell me. Yes. Uh, but what I do need to know is, can I, trust on, can I trust you? Can I rely on you? Are you a person that after I purchase the solution, the product or whatever it may be, that I can get a hold of you again, or am I just an afterthought? And so it's very important that I can trust you. And I, I appreciate that. One of the things I would tell you as you are working with these MSP owners, because they're so unique, and that's, the, that, that's a generous way I'm going to put it. How do they know when to ask for the date? How do they know when to say, hey, look, I like you, let's go out. How do they know when to ask for that sale? Because they might be new to this. Yes. Okay. So, so let's talk about it from a cybersecurity standpoint. In my book, I, I, I have it as a Venn diagram. So it's almost like two arguments and I, I can't come up with a better word than that. I don't mean that you're going to argue with your prospects. I mean, arguments as if you're an attorney and you're standing before a judge and you're making, you have two arguments to make. And when you've made those two arguments and you've woven, you're making those arguments typically in the discovery process, by the way, that's what, that's part of the secret. Um, and you're, you're making them, you're also making the arguments during your bonding and rapport where you're chatting with people. Which, um, but during that, that initial bonding time, you're actually starting to make these two arguments. Um, and, and when you've made those two arguments and you've developed that rapport and you've helped the prospect to see why they care about those two things, then the, the, the close, which is, it's always this like scary thing, yeah, totally in air quotes for those of you who are listening, um, the close is simply 
the natural culmination of the relationship that you've started. So Danny, I, I loved it when you were saying, you know, you're, you're being a, a trusted consultant. You're starting the relationship in the sales process. You're not closing the door. You're not closing the sale. I hate the term closing the sale because it brings to my mind, and, and maybe it's just a gender term, but to me, it, it brings to mind like the conquering hero. I have won, like I've slain the dragon. I'm putting my, you know, my, my foot on his neck and I have closed the deal. Well, that's not how I sell. When I close a sale, I'm like, this is fantastic. Can we work together? Can I help you? We've talked about this and we've talked about that. And you've agreed that that's a, a level of risk that's not acceptable. I can help. Um, that's what we do all the time for companies just like yours. Can I tell you how we work? Can we talk about the investment? Can we talk about the engagement? That's the closing question. It's not a, I have won and you have lost. That's why I don't like the close, you know, this concept of, I think in my book, I even say you'll never close another sale again, because if you're approaching sales that you win and the prospect loses, then that, that is not, that's not my approach to sales. I will not close a sale, even though I could. I hate the term closing the sale. I understand why it's used. We need to call it something because it is the way that we measure success. Um, but but it, if we're focused on closing the sale, then it, it's almost like a, a football team, like an American football team that is saying, how do I score more touchdowns? Well, we have to score more touchdowns so that we can win the game so that we have something to put on the scoreboard. But if you if it's post game and we're, we're reviewing the post game film and all we do is review the last two plays, like how did we score the touchdown? Oh, look, you know, it's, it's fourth and two. And then we scored Woo-hoo! like, well, that's not the game. The game is much longer than that. The game is how do we get the ball back? How do we stop the opposing team? Like the game is a lot more than the close. The game is a lot more than just the touchdown. Now, I want to continue this dialogue because it's true. It's more of a shifting of our mindset to realize that we're there to add value for our clients. And when they feel as if they've won, you got to remember, people want to buy, they don't want to be sold. And when they feel like they've bought, that they've been educated, that they're making the best decision for the organization, we're all really going to win. And, And I love that. But I want to ask you something about this concept. We talk about closing. And there's a reason why that comes up in your book. I'm going to start with the very title. and I'm going to come right back to this. You, your, your book again, for our audience that's listening, literally simplified cybersecurity sales for MSPs, the secret formula for closing cybersecurity deals without feeling slimy. Let's go to that point right at the very end, feeling slimy. And, you know, we do feel at times if we've got to upsell, we got to add this extra component in our sales conversation, then we feel slimy because maybe we're asking for money. We're asking for a commitment. Can you talk about that component and how you get sales reps to really embrace the fact that they're helping, they're supporting, they're, they're, they're bringing value instead of feeling like, oh, I'm feeling slimy, when perhaps in a traditional sense, yeah, you should feel slimy because all you did was get them across that line, quote, unquote, now you want to go back and stick it to them. Yes. So, okay, 
if, if you are going to get to the end of the sale and you're going to close them on something that isn't going to benefit them, then you should feel slimy. If you're going to sell them something that is subpar and that you're just like, you go back to the office and you're like, ha ha, can't believe he bought that. He's kind of dumb. Then you should feel slimy. But that is not the majority of our industry. The majority of our industry want to build a cybersecurity offering that is quality. They want to, to sell it at a valid price where there is profit so that they can bring on A players so that they can pay themselves what a CEO is should be paid so that they can someday sell their business. And so if, if those are the things you're looking for, sell at a profit so I can build my team with the right fit people then you can't sell a subpar product at a subpar price. And you can't sell a spectacular product at a subpar price. If you're selling a great product at a profitable price and you're feeling sleazy, then we've got a mindset issue because you should be selling at a high dollar figure, whatever that means, and you should understand the value of what you are selling. Um, and so if that makes you the most expensive company in your area, so be it, because there are companies out there that will only deal with the best. Now, if you're selling at a premium price, you better be delivering a premium product. So now we, you can get into, you know, customer, uh, customer journey and how do they get a hold of you and how many different ways can they get a hold of you and, um, reducing friction to transaction, like, but, but sell premium at a premium price, and then don't feel bad about it. That is what makes, that's, like, that's what makes the world go round is, is revenue. You, yes. it's, it's the engine, it's the gasoline in your engine of your business. This is Danny, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I think so many times uh, when you think about taking care of your client, if you went through the discovery phase, you enjoy your client, they enjoy you, you know the client, you appreciate the client, you love the client, you're gonna give them the best. And you're not going to give them cheap products. I know a lot of times MSPs are doing what I call margin counting. They're taking individual pieces of components of software solutions at the lowest price possible, beating up their distributor on, on the price and gouging them, and then going back to the client just so they can be the lowest uh, supplier and only making a buck and a half. You're not taking care of yourself. You're not taking care of your employees. You're not giving an A product. So I do appreciate you have to know yourself. Yeah. And then you have to know your client and you have to be willing to give your client the best. And when you give your client the best, you feel good about yourself and because you know they're getting the best. So I want to encourage everyone that's out there, our audience members, don't be afraid to give your best. Be your best, give your best, because they expect your best as well. And if you're a provider for your family and you're giving to your spouse, you're giving to your children, they expect the exact same thing. So Take care of yourself. Reward yourself. Thank you for bringing that up, Jennifer. So many CEOs, MSP CEOs out there are not taking care of themselves. They are not. And we want to make sure that you do. Yeah. So let's go back to the sales process and the methodology. What are some of the common mistakes that MSPs make when they present their cybersecurity stack to their clients? Okay, so you actually just mentioned one in the question, which is mm -hmm. they present their cybersecurity stack. And so they say, I'm going to sell you EDR with uh, AI and machine learning, and it doesn't have math learning because machine learning is better than math learning, or it does have math learning because whatever. Like, they, they get into the 
into the nitty gritty of the reason they bought the tools, which is important. And I want you to get into that nitty gritty when you're in buying mode, when you are the prospect and you're evaluating solutions, please evaluate it well. Please make the best, the best purchase you possibly can. But then you have to table that technology. Because if you, if you picture the average, let's say, attorney, 15, 15 employees, maybe two attorneys, um, they, they care about billing. They care about getting to the courthouse when they need to get to court. They care about billing. I know I said that already. I said it twice on purpose because, again, these are attorneys. So they, can, they care about billing. They care about their billing systems being up. They want to do business. That's what they, they don't care how you get it done. They just want to make sure they can do business. They can stay up. They can stay functional, that their data has integrity, that their data is not at risk, you know, of, of being leaked. So that's what they care about. That's the end result you're delivering. They don't care if you do it with duct tape and bubble gum. If you can deliver it to them, that is all they care about. So please stop talking about features like math learning and machine learning and how you do your craft. Recognize it's important how you do your craft, but also recognize that your market doesn't care. And I know that's really hard, but your market cares about the end result. They don't care about how you do it. So I, I encourage all of my clients that when you're in the world and you're not in sales mode, when you're a prospect or you're a patient at a doctor's office, Pay attention to how you're being sold because the salesperson is the surgeon and the surgeon doesn't say to you, and then when we get under, we're going to check your vitals and make sure that you're between this number and that number. And then we're going to use the scalpel, but I've only bought the best steel from India because that's the best steel there is. And I only invest in the best scalpels. You're just like, if that happened, you'd be like, I do not want to know how you're going to do the surgery. I just want to know you are the best surgeon for the surgery you're getting ready to do on me. I, it's the whole, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. I just want to eat the sausage. Please don't tell me how the sausage is made. Right? So I want you when you're, when you're in those situations where the, the surgeon is selling you or the window inciting salesperson is selling you or the front door salesperson is selling you. Pay attention to what they're doing well, because there will always be at least one thing that they're doing well, and then pay attention to what they're doing poorly and those lessons, and then apply those lessons to how you sell. Um, so don't, please don't talk about features. Talk about what's in it for the prospect. Those are the benefits. That's what the prospect cares about. Jennifer, this is David, and I'm glad we're, we're going down this path of your sales process, or at least saying, hey, you should have a process for uncovering, for discovering, and for letting the prospect or the client come to their conclusions naturally. Yes. I, I want to ask you this, because not, until there is a major shift in thinking, of thinking in the industry, which I think there is starting to become more of a shift, and we've seen this in even the conflicts 
over there in e Eastern Europe, there's starting to become a shift and a realization that we've got to talk about security and cybersecurity. But for some of these MSPs that are here, maybe perhaps they're a little smaller in size and they're going and having these conversations and these are more legacy clients, not necessarily new clients because the new clients is easy to go, I'm going to put this up front because you need to. It needs to be part of every conversation in front. But when you're going to those legacy clients and you're going and you're talking about cybersecurity and understanding what they need to know, what they need to be aware of, why they need to incorporate, the, incorporate this as a part of their practice, you are going to naturally get some objections. Now, it'd be nice to be able to say, I never get an objection. But when there are objections, there has to be in place strategies for overcoming them. So where did your unique philosophy on objective handling come from and how do you get MSP leaders to understand how to use it? You think things are going great and things are going swimmingly and you've bonded and rapport and you've told stories and you're laughing and you've you know, noticed the trophy behind them on the, whatever your tricks are for bonding and rapport. And then you think things are going great and then the prospect throws out an objection. And the natural tendency is to tense up and to think, oh no, I've botched the sale completely. In reality, I teach my clients to see an objection as a gift because an objection means that the prospect thinks enough of you to be honest. And, and they're saying, you know what, Danny, I respect you as a thought leader. I know that you see it this way, but I'm not there yet. Now you, you could be right and maybe I'm wrong. Can you help me see it your way? Boy, that's a completely different way to look at an objection. It's really a request for more information. And, and Brian Tracy says that, you know, we need to treat objections as a request for more information. So if you go back to that, that pivot point on the flow chart, would you rather have a prospect or client, if, if we're talking existing client, say to you, I don't think it's worth it. That's a lot of money. Help me see it your way. Or would you rather have them say sounds good and then ghost you? Because those are really the only two, those are only two options. And so as we, if we kind of step back and look at it objectively, none of us want the sounds good ghosted path. Like if we're going the critical path method, that is not what we want. And so if you want your prospect to say, prospect client to say, I don't see it your way. How about if we give them permission to do that up front? How about if up front we say, listen, things have changed. Times are changing. We just saw the, the White House talk about potential hacks. It's, it's in the news. It doesn't matter if you're in the United States or not. Like it is in the news. Clearly business as usual is not a valid approach. We're going to talk about some difficult things today, some intangibles that maybe people haven't talked to you about before. Would you do me a favor? And if I've lost you, if you're, if I'm talking about something that you just don't think makes sense for you, would you do me a favor and tell me that? Because whether I'm socially awkward or I get really excited about this stuff and I need, I need for you to rein me in and we can you do that for me? Give them that permission early on so that when you get to this inflection point, they don't go, sounds good, goodbye. And instead they go, okay, so... You told me to tell you if you lost me, you lost me. Like, I, I don't understand. You just said ransomware. I don't know what that means. Right. I don't see why I care about that. Aren't I paying for that anyway? Give your clients and your prospects permission to give you objections instead of trying to 
not create them. Create them. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. This is Danny. I appreciate that because you won't really know the truth unless you ask in the very beginning. And sometimes courtesy says, oh, I'm not into it. I don't get it, but I'm going to pretend like I get it yes. just so I can get through the call. Yeah. And I think as an MSP, we have to be willing to say, welcome the objections at sure. the beginning. Let's, let's talk about, let's walk through the process instead of thinking, as you said, Hey boss, I closed the deal. We're good to go. And then they <laughs> ghost you, as you said. So I appreciate that. I do. I really do appreciate it. And I think that leads into this next question I have, because I think it really helps. Numbers don't lie. How can MSPs focus on improving their close rate? Because in their mind, they think, I'm, hey, I'm doing pretty good. But in reality, their close rate might be pretty bad. So how can MSPs improve their close rate? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Okay, so so the, the sign of a nimble mind is the ability to hold two positions in your head that are that appear on the surface to be contrary. So yes, I want you to track your closing rate. No, I don't want you to stand on the neck of the dragon and say, I have conquered, right? So those are those are on the surface diametrically opposed to one another. Track your closing rate. Please know your numbers. Please say, I didn't close that deal because it wasn't in their best interest. Okay, great. I don't want you to have a 100% close rate. I don't think that's reasonable to have a 100% close rate unless you're dealing exclusively on referrals. That's a different conversation. That's a marketing conversation. We're not doing that today. <laughs> um, but you're not going to have a 100% close rate. But track your numbers. Know that if you bring in four valid prospects, you're going to close one. That's a 25% close rate. Then make it a goal to better that. For every four deals that come in, you want to close two. And then for every four deals that close in, perhaps you can get to three, get to a 75% close rate. But if you never measure, then you'll never improve because you can, you can trick yourself into saying, oh, that was a great sales call. And then at the end of the year, you had a whole lot of great sales calls that ghosted you and you did not budge that MRR number much at all. 
And so there's, I mean, we could talk about tracking closing rate. We can talk about reviewing sales calls to say what went well, what went, what did not go well. Um, how do, what, are, what were objections that I heard that I couldn't overcome that next time I hear them, here's what I'm going to say, or even better, here's how I can get ahead of that in my marketing. Um, and, and so, so definitely track your closing rate because that is, that's what's on the scoreboard, right? Um, that's what we're tracking. That's, that's what, EBITDA is based on, that's what, you know, a, a lot of times self-concept is based on, which is awful, but it is the reality that, that you know, one of the first questions you're going to be asked if you ever come to any MSP event, oh, so what's your MRR? And so it's this, it's this standard by which people measure themselves. So you, I don't want you to hang your whole self-worth on that number, but of course you have to know what that number is. And the only way to increase it is to increase that close rate. This is David. Jennifer, that is so true. You, you don't know what you have to improve in if you have nothing to go back and look at. You have to have the data. And not that you got to say, well, I want to be the scoring champ in the NBA, so I've got to put up more baskets. And you forget the overall objective. The overall objective is to win the game. Your overall objective yes. is make sure your teammates are feeling like they're part of the team and it's not just you, the team. And so I love that you say it's important to be able to go back and look at this. In your book, Jennifer, we talk about the secret formula. You know, what blows me away is when I watch some of these cooking shows and these master chefs, these Michelin star chefs, they could take the spice mix that you have, that you're, you're hiding how you put the mix together. And they'll just take a little bit, put it on their tongue, and they go, hmm, the, you have a little paprika in there, don't you? Like, how did you know? Well, they've does been paprika, cooking for Edgar. Right, does paprika even have a taste if it's got smoked paprika? But I, yes, you see that all the time. Yeah, and so what I, what I think this goes, this is a reflection of the work you've been doing, working specifically with MSPs. You're able to look at their overall organization, you're looking at their sales process, you're looking at their marketing plan, you're, you're able to look at it and say, hmm, you know what's really missing is your emphasis on this. What's really yes. missing is your lack of presenting the, what we call cybersecurity stack up front. What you're really missing is this. And because you've had that much experience, they don't just go to Guy Fieri like, you don't know what you're talking about, Guy. No, he knows what he's talking about. Yes. Know what you're talking about. And that's why it's so important to be able to look at the book and say, hey, we're not just going to throw something out there. You know these ingredients are there. But it's how you put them together, which this is what makes it the secret formula. About yes. that secret formula, Jennifer, is there one ingredient or one aspect that they might be missing that if they only had this, it would make all the difference. Because I'll tell you, every cookout family gathering we have, there's always that grandmother, that aunt, or that one person that could go, mm -mm, something was missing. And this is what it was. Did you forget this step? Oh, mom, how did you know? Because yes. I've always known. Or I make my grandmother's recipe and it doesn't come out the same way because she thought she gave me the recipe, but she really didn't because it's just intuitive for her. And that's the challenge with a lot of the sales trainers is that it's intuitive. And, and so they don't give you the whole recipe. It's not that they're being malicious. It's just that it's second nature to them. And so, yes, there is one ingredient that, that, that I don't think it's necessarily that most MSPs are forgetting. It's that it makes them the most uncomfortable. So I'm not throwing you under the bus. It's the second ingredient, which is feel the gap, 
you have to help the prospect to feel why they want to change the implications on their business if they don't change. Uh, so we talked about the gap and, you know, you know, seeing that the gap isn't just this little thing. It's, it's this enormous gap. That's very factual. People don't, generally speaking, people do not make decisions factually. That's hard for technical people, for, for the technicians, the geeks among us to, to wrap their head around because they think that they make decisions factually. If they're looking at three or four vendors, um, they, they think that they're just looking at the facts. In reality, there's a lot of emotions. There's personality. There's how easy they were to, to deal with. There's a lot of emotions tied up in the decision-making process. So getting your prospects to feel how bad it could be if they stay where they are today. And I understand I'm talking about fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but this uncertainty really isn't very uncertain anymore. It's pretty certain, um, but just that FUD is, is much easier to say, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's really, it should be fearful. And I'm very certain that if we don't change something without a doubt, an incident is going to happen. And so it really isn't FUD, although people still say it's FUD, but you have to help your prospects to feel why do I want to move from this comfortable spot I'm in to this unknown cybersecurity thing, this newness that you're trying to sell me? There's a lot of emotion tied up there. That's the part that most MSPs, when they wrap their head around, I need to help the CEO understand how this is going to impact his baby. And I need to help the practice manager understand how it is going to affect their ability to serve patients and uh, meet HIPAA compliance and, 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 and you're going to tailor your message based on what the receiver cares about and trigger the correct emotions for the correct role. That feeling of the gap is the most difficult for most people in our industry. Awesome. This is Danny, and I, I do appreciate that insight. One of the things that we can hear, and I hope our audience understands, is that Jennifer is really trying to help you understand and connect and be real and be authentic. Stop being a robot. It's so easy to be a robot. Uh, but at the same time, you're not going to lose who you are and what you are and who, what you're trying to do. And so I really appreciate all this because you're not just saying do this and walking away. You're really trying to make sure that people are growing as, a, as well. Appreciate that. And I want to challenge all of our audience members out there. Hey, go get the book. Jennifer, congratulations on your book. I want to make sure people understand that. It is not easy. You said earlier, hey, I got this idea. People are like, hey, you should write a book. Like, ah, I don't know. But yet you went and you did it. And because of that, people can learn and be better. And that's what I really appreciate. And you know what, David, as David mentioned earlier, we have a book that, that's coming out actually next month. It's already been completed. It's, it's in the final stages. And what David and I do is we provide the public speaking skills, uh, specifically those who are MSPs as well. It's called Talk It Up, a guide to successful public speaking. And we provide tips, insights for professionals looking to strengthen their careers and increase their influence. Jennifer, you did the same thing. And you are amazing about it. It's the fact that you have these great ideas, you had this great experience, you have the great knowledge, and it's almost like you're this, like Dave said, the Sherpa, you're, you're almost like this uh, guru and this expert that's out there. But at the same time, what did you learn about yourself when you wrote this book? I, can, I think it's awesome that the book you wrote 
is actually helping other people. But what did you learn about you when you wrote okay, this book? So, so two things. I well, I don't know if I learned them both, but I rediscovered them. Um, one is that I am a recovering perfectionist, and so one of my mentors always says, "Done is better than perfect." And I had someone actually ask me, and they they asked me in a very public forum on LinkedIn, um, when you publish your book, is it going to have typos and will that horrify you? And I said, what's interesting that you asked because a year ago before holding my book in my hand, he didn't know I had a couple of um, like pre, pre-press copies in my hand that were laden with typos. Even after going through it three and five times, we found dozens of typos. And he said, isn't that going to horrify you? And I said, well, as a recovering perfectionist, no, it's not going to horrify me. Now, do I want it to be perfect? Of course I do. Um, And do I want it to be horribly typo ridden? Of course not. But there is a happy medium. It doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. So done is better than perfect. And so, so writing a book forced me to, to, um, embrace that fact, I suppose. The second thing that that I came, I've seen this before in myself, but I execute quickly, but I execute quickly at the beginning. I'm really good at getting things 90% done. That last 10% is really difficult for me. And it probably has to do with that perfectionistic tendency. So um, I, I finally said, okay, I have the, like all of the chapters are done. I have the table of contents done. I have the the title and the subtitle done. I have everybody lined up to give advanced praise. I have people lined up to to write some reviews on Amazon. And that's as far as I can take it. I can't, I I don't have the skill set to take what at the time were 25 word documents, one for every single little piece of content and combine them and push it over the finish line. So there's a sales lesson in there, right? I was willing to write a large check for a small job so I didn't have to do it myself because I didn't want to become an expert at publishing a book. I wanted to write the book. I wanted to be on podcasts like this. I wanted to get it in the hands of as many MSPs as I could. I did not want to take it that last five or 10%. It's not my superpower. It's her superpower. Here's your check. Go make it happen. You know what I love, Jennifer? This is David. I love that you're willing to say, look, I've got this idea. I've got it constructed in my mind, but I'm going to rely on another person, another expert to be able to bring it all together. And sometimes that's really what this is about. You're training these incredible leaders, these MSPs to say, look, you've got the ideas, you've got all the tools, you've got everything together. I'm going to get you across that finish line. Because what you're trying to say is that I've got the ability to protect these clients. I've got the ability to make sure that they're getting the support that they need when they need it, in case they need it. And for so many of us, we could say, hey, I, I don't know if that's worth it. No, you don't have to feel slimy if you know the value of what you're giving your clients. You don't have to feel slimy if you understand the formula that's going to take to be upfront, authentic, and honest with your clients. You don't have to feel slimy if you know the secret formula. And what I love about what Jennifer has done, she's put it all in her book. She's made it very clear. And she even gave a promise in the beginning of her book and why she wrote this book. And I I will say this, too many people are afraid of guarantees now. They're afraid of putting it out there because it might mean they're going to be called to account. She's saying, hey, call me to account. 
if I can't give you the formula, if I can't show you strategies to help your MSP be positioned to support your clients, call me to that. Call me to task on that. And you won't be able to do it because she's shown over working with thousands of clients, thousands of MSPs, that this really works. There's a reason why grandma's recipe is still good to this very day. Now, I want to tell you guys that are out there, if you want to learn more about Jennifer or get her book, you can go to Amazon, but you can also go to her website at mspsalesrevolution.com. Jennifer, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for sharing with our audience about your book, about your work, about your passion, about how simple it could be if you just get over that sense of, I don't know if I have the right position or the right solution. You have it. Give it to them. So, Jennifer, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for giving us simplified cybersecurity sales for MSPs, the secret formula for closing cybersecurity deals and without failing slimely. Jennifer, thanks for coming on Twins Talk About. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.